This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Hello, today we are talking about why automation, high-tech, and artificial intelligence are not enough. And what I mean is, how come they're not enough by themselves? There's a good purpose for automation, high-tech, and AI, and it serves a great purpose of the organization if you use it for what it was designed for. So, for example, one of the purposes of automation and high-tech and AI is to reduce labor intensity. Reducing labor intensity on important tasks, things that really do need to get done in your business. And it frees up your people to do higher level tasks and not so much be mired in the mundane task. There are some additional uses and purposes. So for example, If you're on the software side, let's say on the automation side, you might be using a software that does calculations and numbers for your business that facilitates your ability to make the right decisions to run the business profitably. And that's important information to have. If people were doing that by hand, it would be tedious, monotonous, possibly boring, and it would take a very long time whereas you can use automation and the software programs to get that done much more quickly. On the high-tech side, it may be that you are getting data and you're getting information and the ability to share that data and information more widely within the organization. And that becomes quite valuable because that data can be used by more than one constituency group, more than one stakeholder group in the company. Then on the artificial intelligence side, there are a lot of functions for artificial intelligence. And sometimes it's just conducting a lot of research that would take hours to accomplish. Back in the day, when you think about people going to the library to do research, you'd be in there for the better part of several days to collect what you can collect now in just a matter of minutes. And also many AI artificial intelligence programs help organizations and people in them to learn new skills. And particularly those who may be hired at a lower skill level, they can learn new skills more quickly and be able to do their jobs more effectively, much faster. Now that's all great. If you think that these technology solutions by themselves make the difference, that's where you end up having a problem. The real issue is you still need people to do the people part. And in fact, companies don't realize the more technology you have, the more remote sites you have, and the more people are working from home and so on, the more you need a people touch and you have to add that intentionally. So you can't rely on the machines, if you will, to do everything. The machines augment and facilitate what the humans do. 
So one aspect I'll refer to as the executive touch. And what the executive does in an organization is ask certain questions about the information that's coming in from technology. So first of all, what in this information is most valuable for us and particularly what's most valuable for us now at this time, at this season in our business? So the machines can spit out all kinds of material, all kinds of algorithms. They can even give you some recommendations for what you might do with the data or how you might use it. Yet at the end of the day, it's the people that have to ask these questions because there are also variables that are not accounted for by the machines. You also want to ask what story does this information tell that helps increase our creative advantage? And if you've listened to me for a while, you know I have a preference for creative advantage over competitive advantage. Because when you're operating in creative advantage, you are doing what you do best according to your distinctives and you become less copyable, if you will. And you're not copying other people, therefore making yourself less relevant and less valuable. So being all of who you are with your unique giftings, your unique experiences, that's what you want to do. And so the information that technology provides tells you a story, gives you a story that you can use for creative advantage if you think about it that way. Thirdly, a question you can ask is, what are we learning across multiple platforms that we can leverage and leverage in the business either for your own internal purposes and or to serve the customers better? And I say multiple platforms because Maybe you're learning something through your automated software system. You're learning something else through your artificial intelligence programming that you're using. And maybe there's something else high tech going on that allows some data sharing. And as you look at all of these, you're getting inputs and data. And that's not to say that those disparate pieces of data could not be fed into a machine and further analysis be done. Yet at some point, Humans get involved because they go beyond even what the most sophisticated machines do and even the most sophisticated decision trees that say, okay, if this, then do that. There are some higher level decisions that actual humans really do. In other words, even the the title artificial intelligence gives us a little clue. There is intelligence that God has built in and created in people. That's the real deal. And when we manufacture that in machines based on modeling after people, it becomes artificial intelligence. And though that's very helpful and very useful, you would rather have your own natural leg that works well than an artificial limb, if possible. Understand that if you can't have your natural leg, The artificial leg is a blessing, and that's great. So again, humans are going beyond in order to get information and to figure out what to do with that information. So as an executive, you're going to use this information for deeper conversations, first of all, with your executive team about the market opportunities that the business and the company has. And Also, how you can use this data and information for solving 
problems that already exist in the business. So as the executive, you are collating and synthesizing how this new information can be put to use in your company. So a lot of the job of the executive is to manage the technical data and to manage it and understand it in light of business realities. So what is your industry climate right now? What's going on in your own company at the moment? What are customer relationships about? This information gives you additional information to ask additional questions and you become, if you will, a facilitator of key conversations in the business. And you're asking again questions about how can we use this information proactively for preventing some occurrences that maybe are not in our best interest or that wouldn't be in the best interest of our customers. So you want to be in a prevention mode. And other times the question is, how can we use this information to mitigate risk that have already been taking place? And so you're using it to get in the middle of something that's already going a little bit south, but it's early and you can stop it. And then in the third case, you're addressing full-scale disasters. Something has already gone drastically wrong and you just have to fix it, clean it up right away and get through it. As the executive, you're also understanding crises and emergencies in the business and also unexpected scenarios and outcomes. And as you are looking at all of that data and information, you figure out more profoundly how to use the information and how to align the executive team for forward motion and to be thinking on behalf of the enterprise. And this enterprise-wide lens is crucial. It's crucial to cultivate in yourself as an executive, also your executive team, and ultimately in your organization. The other piece I will add is what I'll call the CEO voice. Because after you've done the strategic thinking and you've figured out how the information you're getting electronically or technologically can be used most effectively in the business, then there's the part of the communication and getting the word out. So what the CEO does is cuts a path through the mass of information that's out there, the mass of voices, the noise. There's noise in data, in social media, in digital platforms. And you're identifying where are the news pieces that we want to pay attention to where are the trends going and how can we get there quickly? And things are moving so quickly right now. We talk about the speed of business being fast. The speed of communication is fast because of social media platforms. To the extent now that when people die, their family members have to ask close friends not to post it on social media yet because they have to take the time to notify the next of kin about the death. And you don't want your family members finding out their brother or sister died by reading a Facebook post. Likewise, in the business, there are things that will hit social media or hit the internet where you're operating there and could cause ripple effects based on information that's not fully developed, might not be true yet, or might be premature. And so you want to stay ahead of that curve. 
So what I would say is that as the CEO, you create calm in the midst of chaos and you create civility in the midst of change. And those are important roles that you have as the CEO to identify what is important, to set the direction for the company, and people do want to hear from you. And no one else can say it for you. Other people in the organization can reiterate what you say. They can restate it. They can remind people about it. However, you are the first voice that people really want to hear when something's going on in the business. In fact, I would go further to say that people want to and need to hear specifically from you. And if they don't, and if others get ahead of you on social media platforms or elsewhere in the organization, and they state it the way they state it, and it's not the way you would state it, it can cause a tremendous amount of confusion that you then have to clean up. So the CEO voice is important. It's the primary voice you're setting a tone. All other voices are connected to your voice to amplify the message that you are giving out. And I'm thinking about in John 10, Jesus is talking about how he knows his sheep, how he knows their voices and they know his voice. And he says, because his sheep know his voice, they won't follow anyone else. Well, the question to ask yourself, is your CEO voice loud enough in your organization? Are people able to hear you? Do they know what your direction is? Do they know what your perspective is? Or could they be thrown off course because they really don't hear your CEO voice often enough? And that's something to think about. I'm also thinking of example of uh, Moses when he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness. And life got tough and life got hard along the way. And just as they were about to take some steps to enter the promised land, people got frightened and afraid of the giants, as they called them, that were in the promised land. They didn't want to go. And at some point in their history, The people murmured against Moses and they said, we want to go back to Egypt. Why did you bring us out here so that we could die in Egypt so that our children could die and so we could suffer? And they said, wasn't our life better off, you know, back in Egypt? And they want to return back to Egypt. And they say, we're going to raise up our own leader and he's going to lead us back to Egypt. And so finally, God spoke to Moses to make it clear what the people were really supposed to do in following Moses. They would be totally off course, off base, if they were following someone else back to Egypt after all God had done to rescue them from Egypt. So Numbers the 14th chapter, verses 2 to 5, tell that story. And then the third example that I'm thinking about is in Acts, the 27th chapter, So it's very late in the book of Acts, verses 30 through 33. And Paul is taking a ship. The apostle Paul is taking a ship to go to Rome. And we know that that ship ends up shipwrecked. And Paul had warned the centurion who was in charge of the group and the leadership that they shouldn't even sail to begin with because it looked like unfavorable weather conditions. 
However, they did not listen to Paul and they set sail anyway. And now they were facing what seemed like possible death, loss of crew, cargo, and so on and so forth. And as it turned out, they did have to sacrifice their cargo. However, Paul told them that an angel of the Lord had appeared and let him know that God said he had to go to Rome and that all the people with him would be spared. However, there was a condition he talked about in Acts 27, verses 32-33. He said the men would have to stay with the ship in order to be saved. Now, you can imagine being out on the high seas like that in this terrible storm was frightening. And so, as the men were encountering the storm, they started lowering a boat, a little small like lifeboat type of a device, and it was clear that they weren't just doing something with the sails, they were planning to escape. And so Paul told the centurion, if these men don't stay with the ship, there's no way that you can be saved. And that was a really important message. So Paul was not the military leader, the expedition leader on that voyage. However, he was the spiritual leader because no one else was getting messages directly from God about what should happen and what they should do. So as we think about these roles and we think about all these pieces, people, and particularly the executives, the CEO and the executive team, will come alongside and add a people component to what the technology is bringing. And it puts me in mind of several strategic functions so first of all, I would say this strategic thinking and analysis, and you're doing strategic thinking and analysis about the data you've collected, about your industry, the environment that you're in, and about what does this information mean for the business. Secondly, there's strategic executive team development. You're developing your senior team so that they have a broader enterprise-wide lens. And then there's strategic communication. We talked mostly about the internal communication that is important with the CEO voice talking to the stakeholders in the company and in the organization in various ways and starting first with that executive team. In addition, the CEO has got to spend some time at the board level talking to the board and external to the organization talking to customers industry representatives, media personalities, and also other stakeholders. This communication that the CEO is sharing needs to clarify direction and just provide clarification in general. And once you have direction and clarification, then there's an inspirational component that the leader is exercising. It's important in today's world for organizations to realize the disconnect that occurs because of automation and technology. They're very useful. We don't want to get rid of these important tools. We do want to understand their limitations. We do want to understand the people rat that's necessary to have around them. And we're finding in our time that we're seeing the highest loneliness ratings that we've seen in decades in our world. People are feeling isolated and more disconnected and suicide rates are even up. 
and particularly as more and more people are working remotely. So you want to add a people component to make sure that people get that people connection and that people time and not feel isolated in their work and what they're doing. So the bottom line is that I would say automation technology, artificial intelligence give you a boost. They definitely give you an advantage. And yet you still need people to function at your optimum level, even at the same time as you're using your tools to deliver value more quickly in your business. So today, as you think about this, think about how technology and people interface and work together for the betterment of the business, the betterment of your customers and the work that you do. It facilitates you being able to step into the arena faster and with more effective and productive tools to bring to bear on the environment. So I'd like to share a reading today that we've been talking about, and this is the one that Jesus was talking about in terms of the sheep knowing his voice. It comes from John the 10th chapter, and I will read verses 2 through 5, and it says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. And the reason they will flee from him is for they do not know the voice of strangers. And so the application in your business is this. Do your people know your voice well enough to follow you, to trust you, to hear you, to know that you are reliable, that you are authentic, that you are trustworthy? Do they know your voice well enough to know that you have their best interest at heart and so that they won't follow strangers in the wrong direction? That's what you can ask yourself about your business for right now. And if you cultivate this relationship with your people so that they do know your voice, then you will have the ability to bring calm into the chaos and civility into the change that's going on in your company and organization. And so I wish you all the best as you think about the interface between person and technology. Dr. Clarence Schuler is the president and CEO of Building Lasting Relationships and his wife, Brenda Schuler, the two of them together, won Speakers of the Year for the Family Life Marriage Conferences. They know a lot about marriage as at the time of this recording, they've been married for almost 40 years. So I have Dr. Clarence Schuler with me today. Dr. Schuler, what's the word on marriage? What would you like to tell people? Well, Karen, thanks so much for this introduction. I would like to tell them that our nonprofit, Building Lasting Relationships, we actually get wounded people in God's word into wounded people, primarily by memorizing scripture. Then we heal them, equip them, and empower them to become reproductive disciples who do the same for others. 
And one of those venues that we do is use marriage. And we've done marriage ministry all around the globe. And we refer people to our, our resource, which is keeping your wife your best friend, which is written for husbands, but also their wives. So they can go through the book together. There are questions in the back. So whether they have a tune up, their marriage is in crisis. We really feel this resource can change their life forever. And they can actually use it to help change other people's lives. So we love marriage. We think marriage designed to be for a lifetime. And no matter where your marriage is, there's hope for your marriage. It can be better than it's ever been if you just put some work into it. So we love marriages. And I know marriages put a smile on God's face. Well, amen to that. And if you keep your wife your best friend, I think you have an even greater chance of being married for the long haul. So if you would like to know more about the ministry, please go to ClarenceSchuler.com. And you can give a donation there, or you can sign up for a marriage experience yourself. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan, for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.